For this evening's text, we're turning to the book of Deuteronomy and chapter 19. The book of Deuteronomy and chapter 19. We're going to read verses 4 to 6. And you will see immediately the connection between our text this evening and the two passages that we took earlier for our scripture reading. Deuteronomy chapter 19, reading verses 4 to 6. This is the provision for the manslayer, who by fleeing there may save his life. If anyone kills his neighbor unintentionally, without having hated him in the past. As when someone goes into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, and his hand swings the axe to cut down a tree, and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he may flee to one of these cities and live, lest the avenger of blood in hot anger pursue the manslayer and overtake him because the way is long and strike him fatally though the man did not deserve to die since he had not hated his neighbor in the past. And as we begin this evening, I want you to imagine that you are the man in that little story. You're an Israelite, you're living in Canaan in the days after the conquest through Joshua, and you kill someone, not because you hate them. Not because you've been angry with them. Not like Cain, who slew his brother. It's an accident. You're out with your neighbor, you're cutting down trees, you're swinging your axe, the head of the axe comes off, hits your neighbor in the head, and kills him. And there are just no words to express how horrible you feel at what has just happened so suddenly. And you are also afraid because you know that when news gets back to town as to what has just happened, in all likelihood you will have an avenger of blood on your trail. Some family member Some relation of this man whom you have accidentally killed out to take your life as you have taken the life of his cousin or his uncle or his father or his son. So what are you going to do? Because this is not 21st century Britain. This is many centuries before the birth of Jesus Christ and you are a citizen of Israel. 
So what are you going to do? For your safety. You are going to flee to one of these cities of refuge of which we have just been hearing. By the command of God, three cities have been set apart on the east side of the Jordan and three on the west for just such a situation as this. Cities of refuge. And what you must do without any delay is flee to the city that is nearest and there you will be safe because the elders of that city will hear your case and they will take you into the city and they will give you a place to stay and there you will be safe. Now what I want to do for a little this evening is to do what has often been done and that is to take this city of refuge as a picture of Christ and of the safety that is ours if we flee to him as sinners for refuge. Now we do have to proceed with caution. The analogy or comparison must not be pressed beyond bounds. Otherwise, it will break down. Nevertheless, there are certain broad resemblances between our situation as sinners and that of this manslayer and between the Lord Jesus Christ and the city of refuge. And as we trace these parallels out, it will help us to see some very important things. Why it is that we need Jesus to be our Saviour. How great our danger is if he is not our Saviour. How certain we are of finding refuge in him if we will flee to him. How safe we will be if we take refuge in him. How indebted we are to him if, by God's grace, we have already taken that refuge. Well, there are three points that I want to make this evening. And the first is this. Our danger, too, is great. This man in our story here in Deuteronomy chapter 19, he has done something that has put himself in grave danger, that has exposed him to the wrath of this avenger of blood. And that is our situation too, as sinners. Our danger too is great. Only in our case, immeasurably greater. And you understand, I am sure, the danger to which I am referring and why that danger exists. Every sinner, says an old writer, and since I will be quoting him again, let me give to you his name. His name is Dr. Robert MacDonald. 
Every sinner, says Dr. MacDonald, as much needs a refuge for his soul as did the manslayer of old for his natural life. For if he has not an avenger of blood at his heels, he has the justice of God and a violated law pursuing him. I think of what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He's referring to the spiritual condition of his readers in the days before they were converted and includes himself among them and says to them that like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Right from the very beginning, from the very outset of our lives, objects of the divine anger. That's what they had been. And it is what we are too. Though you may deny it or seek to oppress it. Right from the very start of our lives, we have been the objects of God's anger on account of our sin and we have been so most Justly. What is the danger here with this man who has accidentally killed his neighbour? The danger is that innocent blood will be shed, and the writer makes that clear in verse 6. Lest the avenger of blood in hot anger pursue the manslayer and overtake him because the way is long and strike him fatally, though the man did not deserve to die. His danger, the danger of innocent blood being shed. But that is not where we are, not as sinners. We're God to take our lives. It would not be the taking of the lives of the innocent, but rather the lives of the guilty. It would be a most just act on his part. Were he to proceed against us and summon us to judgment, there would be no wrongdoing in that whatsoever. Once again, he would be acting most Justly. And that is why we can say that we too are in danger as sinners. And what I want to do for a moment or two is to illustrate how great that danger is. And in order to do that, we need to glance for a little at the character of the pursuer. Who is this God who might justly take vengeance on us for our sin? First of all, he is the God who does not need to look for you to search for you. News gets back to town. So and so has been killed by you. And off the avenger of blood goes. 
in hot pursuit. But if he is to get you, he must first of all find you. And in order to find you, he must search for you. And as he is searching, there may be all manner of places in which you can hide from him and hide successfully. But you know very well that none of that applies to God. God doesn't need to come looking for us. He doesn't need to institute a search for us. He knows where we are. And there is just nowhere that we can hide from him. Isn't that what David says in Psalm 139? Insistent that God is a God from whose presence we simply cannot flee. Think about it with reference to the past. How many years have you been living as an unconverted, unforgiven sinner? How many years have you been refusing to take refuge in Jesus Christ at every moment God has known exactly where you are and he knows where you are now at this very moment in this building in that particular pew. You see how great our danger is? God who does not need to look for us search for us and then there's a second thing that we can see as we think about the character of the pursuer this God who may justly take vengeance upon us because we are not innocent but guilty who is he? a God who might do so at any moment back to our story the avenger of blood is on your heels has spotted you and you look and he's running towards you but he hasn't got you yet and if you are quick you may yet be able to outrun him and escape with your life but there's no outrunning God the God who knows where you are at every moment, at any moment, might call you to account. Do you see how great your danger is? And it may be that in this building this evening, there is someone who very much feels that. It's no uncommon thing. When God has awakened someone to a sense of their sin and their danger for them to be afraid of going to bed at night and going to sleep lest they should wake up in hell. He knows where you are. You are in his hands. And at any moment he may summon you to his just judgment. 
So there's our first point this evening. This manslayer, his danger is great. And if you have yet to flee for refuge to the Lord Jesus Christ, your danger is greater by far. And I pray God to awaken you to a sense of that. But now secondly, we too, we too have somewhere to flee. This man who has accidentally killed his neighbor and has this avenger of blood on his heels, he has somewhere to flee. We've been hearing all about it in these scripture readings. On either side of the Jordan, these specially designated cities, cities of refuge, places where a man like this can be safe. There are some interesting traditions in connection with these cities of refuge. And we learn, for example, how that wherever you were in Israel, you were only a half day's journey at most from one or other of these cities. And we learn how the roads to these cities were always kept in good repair. And according to tradition, at every place where someone fleeing might be uncertain as to the direction in which to go, there was a signpost. Refuge. So the traditions tell us, and it may well be that each of them is correct, certainly, certainly, by the merciful provision of God, there were cities to which you could flee. And wonderfully, as sinners liable to the just anger of God, that is our happy position. We too have somewhere to flee, only in our case the somewhere is a someone, a person, our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember John the Baptist urging his hearers to flee from the wrath to come? There is somewhere for us to flee. Or I think of what the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 6 about those who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before you. There is somewhere for us to flee. A person. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is our city of refuge. Abiding in him, we are safe. Well, let me expand on it a little. And I want to do so by talking to you about two things. The first is a marvel, and the second, a relief. The marvel. And the marvel is that Jesus is God's own provision. Back to the manslayer. 
He has these cities of refuge to which he can flee. Why is that? Because God has so ordained it. These cities of refuge, they weren't Moses' idea. They weren't Joshua's idea. They were God's idea, God's gracious provision. And so it is with the Lord Jesus Christ, our city of refuge. Why is he there for us to flee to? God has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus is God's provision. And the marvel of it, the God who has made this so loving and costly provision, is the very God whom we have offended by our sins, whose wrath we have provoked, whose justice may take our lives and cast us into hell. What a marvelous thing it is that He should make such a provision for us. Take it as a testimony to the greatness of the love of God for sinners. He whom we have so wronged, in whose eyes we are so guilty, yet gives his beloved Son to be to us a city of refuge. There is the marvel. And the more God opens our eyes to the greatness of our sin and the costliness of the gift, the greater the marvel becomes. And the relief, the relief is that he is so near to hand. I mentioned a moment ago One of those traditions about the cities of refuge, how near it is said that they were to anyone in Israel. A half day's journey and no more. A half day's journey at the most. And you were at the gates of one of these cities of refuge. Now, hear this. By way of contrast, this is another old writer the invitations of the gospel are unencumbered with any conditions of time or place. Not even half a day's journey is necessary for trembling and penitent sinners to come to Christ. The relief of the gospel right Where you are. At this very moment. You may come. To Jesus. For life. Vilest offender. Who truly believes. That moment. 
from Jesus a pardon receives the relief the relief of the gospel the Lord in his mercy brings you to your senses perhaps that's what he has done and you see your sin and your guilt and your lostness and whilst there are those around you who will not have it so it has gone right to your heart that's where you are and you sense the greatness of your danger well what now does the Lord have some pilgrimage that he desires you to make or does he set out an elaborate set of preparations that you must make in order to be a little bit more fit to come to him for life none of it I love how Charlotte Elliot puts it in her great hymn. She captures it perfectly, just as I am. And waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Right now. Right where you are. Without any preparation. Needing to be made. Just as you are. The relief. Of the gospel. So the picture is building up. Our danger too. Is great. That's the first point. And the second, we too have somewhere to flee the Lord Jesus Christ who even now waits to be merciful. Christ, our city of refuge. And my third point is simply this. There we too are safe. In ancient times, to go back to Dr. MacDonald, in ancient times, he who killed anyone unawares had to flee to his refuge at once. Not a moment could he tarry, for on the way he might be slain. Near the gate he might be slain. Touching the walls, his lifeblood might flow. Once over the threshold and within the gate, not a hair of his head could perish. Safe in the city of refuge. And so is it, he continues, with every sinner. If it is true that out of Christ there is no safety, it is equally true. But in Christ, there is no danger. And then he goes on to quote that great opening statement of Romans 8. There is therefore no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. 
where you are. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, yourself safe in Christ. And it is not as though God has been frustrated of his purpose. And it's here that the analogy breaks down. Because I can well imagine this avenger of blood gnashing his teeth in frustration that his prey has escaped him. And hammering on the door of the gate in his frustration because he cannot get what he wants. Lord God, God is glad when we find safety in Jesus. God will be glad if you come this evening for refuge to Jesus. Because Jesus is his merciful provision. And he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It is his joy. Men and women, young people, boys and girls in their danger of need cross the threshold and by faith take refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's think then about being safe in Jesus. What makes Jesus a safe place to be? Like this city of refuge of which we've been hearing. Well, think to begin with about what he has done with our sin. And what he has done with our sin is he has borne that sin himself. We go back to the very first point of contrast, this man in our story. He's not guilty of a crime. It was a horrible accident. God is making provision here for the protection of innocent blood. But we are not innocent. Anything but. We are steeped in sin. And God is just and is bound to punish sin. How then can there be a city of refuge for us? Somewhere where we can really be safe where we can justly be protected. The sheer wonder of it. The one in whom sinners take refuge has borne their sins. The very sins for which justice pursues them. The very sins that make them liable to the anger of of God. That is what makes Jesus safe. A safe place to be. That's why you will have nothing to fear if you take refuge in Jesus tonight. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. To go to Jesus is to go to the sin bearer. It is to take refuge in the sin bearer. And there's just no better, no safer, no wiser thing than for sinners to take refuge in the sin bearer. 
Because through that there is forgiveness and deliverance. So we we understand what a safe place Jesus is when we think about what he has done with our sin and to when we think what he has done with God's wrath. He has borne that too. He has endured God's wrath. It's what sin-bearing is all about when we begin to break it down and to understand what it's all about. It's all about accepting our liability to the wrath of God standing in our place, choosing to take it himself so that there might be none for us to take. Propitiation for our sins, lovingly bearing the whole of our guilt and the wrath that is due to it so that we might be forever shielded from it. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, our city of refuge, just the safest place to be. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's how Paul begins Romans 8. Do you remember how he ends? All the assurances that he gives to those who have taken refuge in Christ. Lest any should fear that somehow or other it's all going to unravel and they're going to be lost anyway. Not at all. God is for you, he says. And there is no one who can be against you. Because he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give you all things that you need to keep you safe till heaven? How he has justified you. And how because he has justified you, there is no one who can bring a charge against you that will stick And Christ, who has lived and died and risen again, is interceding for you at the right hand of God. And then he comes to that magnificent climax and asserting and arguing that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You put all of that together, there are just no words to express how safe we are if we are in Christ. So I ask you tonight, are you in Christ? Have you taken refuge in Him? Have you come to Him for salvation? If you have not, you have everything to fear because God knows who you are. And at any moment, he may take your life. Isn't that a fearful position to be in? For as long as you are separate from Christ, 
that is the position that you are in. And it puts me in mind of the Saviour's parable of the rich fool. And how God said to that man who supposed that he had so many years left to eat and drink and make merry, thou fool, this very night thy soul is required of thee. Can you be sure that this very night God will not say the very same thing to you? But if by faith you have come to the Lord Jesus Christ and to be in him, you have nothing to fear. For you are in the one who has borne your sin. You are in the one who has borne your wrath. And there you are safe. This man in our story, he is safe very moment he crosses the threshold and enters that city, he is safe and you are no less safe. Indeed, you are immeasurably more safe if you have made Christ your refuge, if you will make him your refuge. So we've been thinking about the Lord Jesus tonight as the city of refuge. And how, if we are in him, we are safe. And as I conclude, let me appeal to you. If you have not yet fled for refuge to the Lord Jesus, that you would do so without delay, before it is too late, Unless any should fear that somehow or other Christ is not for you, be persuaded that the contrary is true. It is the very thing that he wants. It's the very thing to which he invites you. The very thing that he pleads with you to do. To come this very night. Will you do that? What is it that holds you back? Is it the love of sin? Sin will be your undoing. Is it unbelief? You have been hearing the word of God tonight. Is it the hope? that you have plenty of time, you do not know whether you have another moment. Or is it a fear of the reception he will get after so long and so many invitations and so many refusals and such long continuance in sin? You may dismiss those fears very God who knows who you are and who at any moment can take your life is there in love ready just like the father in Jesus parable to receive the prodigal 
No matter how far into the far country he has gone. No matter the mess that he has made. No matter how long it has taken you to return. Don't go from this place still exposed to the danger with the justice of God in pursuit. Come and find refuge in Jesus. Lift up your heart to him, even where you are. Plead with him to be your saviour. And surely he will hear your prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, so work, we pray, that those here will be persuaded of the truth of these things about which we have been thinking this evening. Bring us face to face, we pray, with the reality and the gravity of our sin and the justness of the wrath that rests upon us. How we thank you that that is not the end of the story, that you have given Jesus, your Son, to be a city of refuge for us. Thank you that so many of us by grace have found refuge in him, that we are safe in him, our beloved Saviour. And we pray for those here this evening who have not yet fled to him. So work, most gracious God, in their hearts that without any delay, just as they are, all let the good news so come home to their hearts that this night before its hours are at an end. They will be safe. In Christ, in whose great name we pray. Amen. Returning for our closing praise in the Scottish Psalter to Psalm 91. This is on page 351. Psalm 91 He that doth in the secret place of the Most High reside under the shade of him that is the Almighty shall abide I of the Lord my God will say He is my refuge still He is my fortress and my God and in him trust I will Psalm 91 in the Scottish Psalter, page 351, we'll sing verses 1 to 4. He that doth in the sacred place of the Most High reside. He that is in the
And now may grace, mercy and peace from Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with us all, both now and forevermore. Amen.